Welcome to the Digital Transformation of Business podcast, brought to you by Hughes On. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Digital Transformation for Business podcast. My name is Mike Tippetts, and I'm here with my two good friends, Chuck Keeler. Hello. And Curtis Campbell. How's it going? We welcome you back to the podcast. We're glad you're still here. Chuck, you kind of came up with the uh, topic for this week. Why don't you go ahead and introduce the idea? Yeah, it's from a, an article from Forbes.com called Five Ways to Accelerate Digital Transformation by Tapping Digital Achievers. And that digital achievers term stuck out to me because I'd never heard it before. And it goes on to explain the benefit of assigning different people in your organization to be digital achievers. Well, I want to point out that somebody I hang out with reads Forbes. I think that makes, <laughs> that's kind of impressive, really, you know, and that uh, that I'm associated with someone like that. But yes, it's available at Forbes Online, uh, produced around August 24th, 2018 by Casey Foss and Kyle Hutchins. So, Chuck, tell, take us where, you know, digital achievers, what did they talk about? What were some of the things that caught your eye? Well, for one, it says that you won't find digital achievers in just one place. You might think that they're already going to be residing in a certain part of your organization, maybe in IT, but some of them, of course, may come from elsewhere. It says you may find digital achievers in any number of departments or functions. It gives five tips, and we're going to go through each one of those, to kind of organizing this effort, those being... Number one, get them together. Number two, give them data to solve problems. Number three, redefine their mission. Number four, allow them to experiment and fail fast. Number five, equip them with technology and tools that accelerate their work. So define, based on the, you know what you've read here and, and, and we've, we've gone through this, define a digital achievement. Okay, so from what I gather, it's somebody who has the ability to grasp, and this is straight out of the article, the ability to grasp the fundamentals of working and competing in a world revolutionized by technology. Uh, it says digital achievers are inspired and motivated to drive change, and they thrive in environments of change, something many people do not. Yeah, no, I was just going to, that to your point right there, um, in my mind, a digital achiever is really anybody who wants to be one. You know, it doesn't have to be someone in IT. It doesn't have to be somebody in marketing. It doesn't have to be somebody, it can be somebody in accounting for that matter who comes up with a new business process for doing something better. But it, in my mind, it can be really anybody and because and, we all are, are participating in the digital transformation each and every day in some way, shape, or form. So you gave a pretty good definition of a digital achiever there from the article. Let me look at the two of you. Are you a digital achiever? And before you answer that, think about this for a minute because as I read this article, I sat and I made some notes here, and I believe that personally – I think I am. And the reason is because I am leading us and pushing us to use tools like Workday, uh, Dropbox. And then I started thinking about it. We use a tool called Monday.com. We're using Office 365. We're using Salesforce.com. We're using Creative Cloud from Adobe. And we're about to start using Workday and Vidyard. We've got Media Silo, our asset manager. The tools we use on a daily basis are cloud-based. I mean, cloud-based tools that five years ago we weren't using. Five years ago, there was no Salesforce. There was no Workday. There was no Creative Cloud. We were installing large apps on our various computers and using them. So I consider myself a digital achiever 
because I enjoy this. I push for this. What do you guys think about yourselves? Well, and I, I, to me, I, I definitely feel like I am as well because, one, I'm partaking in those tools that you're making available to us, but also because I use everything on the cloud. And the thing that's even more cool about it is that we're now helping some of our customers become digital achievers by helping them wrap their minds around a strategy that uses leading technology that runs on nothing more than the cloud. So absolutely, I feel like I'm a digital achiever. And I'm an, I, I don't know that I've, I've ever really patted myself on the back with that term of achieving anything, really. But, <laughs> but in, in all reality, yeah, I definitely do feel like I'm a digital achiever. Yeah, it says in the article that uh, the achievers are motivated by experimentation. And so, yeah, by that definition, I think so. It's always fun to try something we've never tried before, try new software, see if it works, and uh, go from there. So by that definition, yes. Now, in terms of knowing what a digital achiever is, you know, this is a term that just came to us this week. So um, we're trying to kind of wrap our minds around it. And that's why I think this discussion is going to be so good, because we have uh, a number of things we're going to cover. I think that um, a digital achiever recognizes the power of these tools that are available to us and looks first to using tools like that. I think I, I read a term, um, microservices, and I looked it up. I said, okay, what, what was meant by that? And it's the idea that you have this little service and this little service that do things for you, but then you can mix them together to create a bigger solution. I don't even want to say an application necessarily, but I mix these two together, and now I have a better solution for, for whatever I'm trying to trying to do. But somebody who looks for microservices as a way to bring together and create solutions, I think that's a digital achiever. Part of the cool thing about digital transformation is that it, because it's digital and it's, it has the ability to impact so many different departments, it's critical to get involvement from so many different departments. So therefore, you get people from IT, you get people from marketing, you get people from customer service, you get people from this, that, and the other, and you bring them together and Ultimately, you bring a whole bunch of different perspectives on digital achievement, and the product is that much better. And that leads nicely into number one, which is get them together. So we have people from all over the organization that may not know each other, and somehow management, somebody is going to bring them together. What's the first thing we do? I'll, I'll go and just say, the first thing you do is you say, okay, what are we, what are we after? What's the, what's the goal we're trying to achieve here? And, and you sort of alluded to it there, but I'll, I'll say it a little more directly um, you put them in that room and you say, we're here to solve this problem. I, I'm leaning in a little bit to, to point number two in some of these, but you bring this group of people together. You brought them together because they've demonstrated this aptitude, this digital achiever persona or what have you. Uh, but you bring them together and you look around the room and say, I have every point and corner of this company represented here. I want help solving this problem. Write the problem on the board and then let them, as you say, start to flow. Let them just start to go. One thing I, I wanted to I wanted to ask this question in the article it says this concept of digital transformation continues to puzzle executives. Why do you think that is? Why why do you think that is? I think because everyone kind of defines digital transformation slightly differently, so it's kind of like a moving target almost. And to me, digital transformation really is almost like a catch-all of technology to make to take the next giant leap forward as an organization. Well, I, I, the article that's and that's the answer the article gave. It said it's because it's different for everybody. Uh, but you've got to have you've got to have leadership. You got to have leadership that'll bring that room of people together and not be afraid to do that. 
and not be siloed in their mentality that, well, I'll get this group together to solve the problem rather than multiple groups. I would imagine part of the problem is a lack of information, a lack of understanding of what that is. I think if your organization has a, that champion that's going to go to the executives, who's going to go to the CEO and say, hey, this is what it is. This is how we need to transform. I've kind of got an idea of what we can and cannot do. Uh, and then you get some backing, you get some executive backing. I think knowledge or lack of knowledge would be the, the big stumbling block if it's not there. Which do you think is more likely to happen in today's company, you know, any company, that an individual, one of the digital achievers, if you will, goes to an executive and says, there's a problem that needs solving, and I suggest we get the following you know, 15, 20, whatever it is, five people together, or the flip of that where an executive says, uh, we have a problem, I'm going to go find these digital achievers and bring them together. Great question. And, you know, it could be 50-50, I'm not sure. Yeah, I was going to say it's probably a, a nice mixture of both. Um, I know, especially in smaller organizations, typically it's going to be the second direction you mentioned, where a CEO recognizes a huge problem and says, or recognizes a huge problem and perhaps even sees one of their competitors doing the exact same thing, but overcoming that problem, right? And so he walks out of his office and stomps down the hallway to whoever he needs to talk to and says, we need to fix this and we need to fix it now. On the flip side, let's say it's a bigger organization perhaps, because I think it's the mixture is probably 50-50, but it's probably more towards the first that you mentioned and with a larger organization, because a CEO of a Fortune 500 or a Fortune 1000 company may not have that same level of exposure to the marketplace, unlike a small business, right? So digital achievers in a big organization may say, yes, we have this problem. We're getting this feedback from customer services says we're, we're missing the mark on this thing. How are we going to be able to do this better with technology? It also may depend on the culture of the company. So if the culture of a large company or a small company encourages, promotes, allows, tolerates that kind of grassroots effort, to grow, to form and organize without, without being told to organize that, it's, it's more likely to happen. So if there's that, that culture of innovation, then I think there's a, a much bigger chance that it's going to happen at all. Now, if the organization says, you know, we you know, get to your desk, do your assigned job, and that's the culture, and the culture doesn't allow for kind of out-of-the-box thinking, then it's probably less likely to happen. I, I completely agree, and there's a word that keeps coming to my mind, and that's empowerment. Right. Culture, I believe, is, is right there. I was, I was right there with him. You said culture. And it's, it's got to be a culture of empowerment, large or small, so that the individual can recognize an issue and candidly potentially gather other digital achievers together. And then she says, hey, I want to try and solve this. They start talking about it. Then they go to management because they need some resources or they need some backing. Uh, but it starts, it starts at that grassroots level. And the other thing that came out in this in this dialogue here just now is the, I, you guys both said it. It's well, something comes in from customer support, something comes in from the customers. I think that's probably in a smart organization. That's where the ideas are coming from. How do I serve my customer better? How you know we're, we're stumbling whether it's hey customers call in and we're having a hard time finding this information about them or doing something so we can serve them better and faster. Fix that or something even more broad. Uh, you know, the, that uh, requires an even deeper, a deeper thought. But yeah, no, get them together, get them talking, uh, whether it's, you know, management led or grassroots led uh, is, uh, is an awesome way to get going. You mentioned problems, and that's number two, give them data to solve problems. 
So is this a fictitious problem that you give them to begin with, or do you find something that's actually a problem in the organization? Real problem. Real problem. Don't, don't waste anybody's time. I mean, think about it. If somebody came into us and said, hey, you guys figure out how we would do this, and it, it, you know, it's not something that's really ever going to work or be done or is necessary in a company, you're not going to get any motivation out of that. It's we need to fix this right now. It's either costing us money or holding us back from growing our revenue, or it's simply making you know customers or employees less satisfied. Uh, I need it solved ASAP. And if the leadership, if she's telling you that, then you 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 know you're much more motivated to get going. I agree absolutely. I'll give you an example. I was approached by uh, some of the leadership from South America uh, a few weeks ago, and they said we're getting ready to launch this service, and we need a tool that we can place, an autonomous tool that we can place in a location to tell people about our service. And we talked about it, and I came back and I got together with a few um, smart people, and we started brainstorming, and we came up with a fairly rudimentary design of a marketing kiosk application. And we turned it over to some of our uh, uh, senior engineering people and it was days they came back because they were using existing, you know, going back to what I said before, microservices or capabilities. And it's, it's blowing my mind. I said to them from the get-go, let's, let's keep this rudimentary. Let's get the basics covered. And then, you know, we'll grow it over time. We don't have to have everything in release one. But the things that are going to be in release one are amazing and it just comes back to you got a group of people who weren't afraid to reach out into the you know digital sphere and pull stuff together. It's it's cra- it's crazy. Yeah, the, the the example that comes to my mind is one from history and one from a movie, Apollo thirteen. They have this, I believe it was a leak in the oxygen chamber or something, and they gathered up all the things that the astronauts up in space would have access to, whether it be a, a roll of tape or a little box or a different sized things, and they said, okay, we have to get this to fit into this, and this is what we have access to. And then, then some guy walks up to the table and dumps out all these, it looks like a, a bunch of random objects, right? And so the minimal data that they had was given to the team. The team had the pieces to kind of solve that puzzle, and together they figured it out. And so much like that situation at NASA 50 years ago or whatever, um, I think you can pull these people together and put them in a room and say, hey, this is what we know, this is what we have, this is the problem that we have, and just maybe step back from that point and say, you know, go to work. Oh, yeah, the worst thing you can do as a leader is to draw an artificial fence. Start telling them how to do the problem. It's like, no, no, no. You know, Steve Jobs is famous for saying, we hire smart people not to tell them what to do, to let them tell us what we should do. I mean... <laughs> The literal, literally the dumbest thing any leader can do is get a room full of smart people and say, okay, this is what I want you to do. No, state the problem, right? In your, uh, in your Apollo 13 example, the CO2 was building up. The CO2 cleanser was what broke. They said exactly that. And that's such a great example because it's an extreme case. It's here's what they have, and they're not getting anything else, right? We're not going to run down to anywhere and pick up this or you know, drop this off. This is what they have. Make it work. Now, you come come forward to today's environment and you sit down with a group of people. The beautiful thing is, is we have, in essence, unlimited access 
to technologies and tools. The only the only limiting factor may be budget uh, or or experience, but you just have this world of knowledge and capabilities and things that you know. I'm not even going to say young people; just experienced people know how to take it take full advantage of. Chuck, that was beautiful. That example. No, seriously, that's that that to me defined exactly what we're trying to get at here. And that was a life and death situation. It was you know lives were at stake. The reputation of this government agency was at stake. So uh, it's a little bit drastic, like you said, a little extreme, but I think it illustrates what we're talking about. But not necessarily. I don't. I don't think it's to an extreme though, because we're we're living in an age where we're seeing retail shutter, retail store shutter left and right. Well, you know, I'll 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 jump in here with. Uh, I was reading about, and it's a Utah-based company, but I, the name escapes me. They created a sock that goes on an infant's foot, and I, and I believe it monitors the O2. Yeah, it's called an outlet. Yeah, an outlet. That's it exactly. Yeah. And they put it on the infant's foot because they recognized a problem. SIDS. Something I can't even imagine You know how hor- horrible that would be. But they put it on the foot. It connects to a monitor. They took Bluetooth technology. They took monitoring. Te- you know, O2 monitoring technology is not new. That's, that capability is there. They just came up with a way to do it so that an infant can sleep and so can their parents and not worry about it. So, no, it's, a, it's brilliant because, again, like you just said, it's not new technology. And that's a life and death thing. Absolutely. They solved, right? I mean, we're solving problems in a day, on a daily basis here at work uh, that, you know, nobody's going to die, right? We want to we continue to be productive and grow and do all these things, but nobody's going to die. I, I, when I read about that, Al, Al, that's the name of the company, too, I think. Yeah. It's fantastic. One of the things that I think underpins the ability to do this, this uh, digital achievers being able to do what they do, is a concept that we throw around fairly regularly, and that's called agile. Um, now, the agile is a methodology for doing things. Frequently, um, you know, we refer to it in terms of engineering and software development and so forth, but I think it's a, it's a concept that you could use in life where you're attacking a large problem in small chunks. And Chuck, I think that's kind of where we go with with number three. You start to redefine the mission and, and start to say, okay, how are we how are we gonna do that? Yeah, number three is redefine the, their mission, like you said. Um, and part of that article says, allow digital achievers to move quickly by breaking big concepts into smaller chunks of work. Your example of Apollo 13 from a few minutes ago, you know, they had a very a very serious but a finite problem. So rather than trying to boil the ocean and say, well, we need to first figure out the bigger problem of getting these astronauts back down to space, well, so they, they looked at the very finite problem of that CO2 cleaner. They started at the most critical point and then expanded the problem from there. Yeah, their bigger mission was to get to the moon and back safely. This was a something that they were able to break down into a very small task, very meaningful, very crucial, but uh, they were able to focus on this one thing, one thing at a time. Uh, if I were gathering a group of people together, uh, an example I would use is something to do with serving the customer. And the trick in my mind is to stay focused on the issue at hand to the point we're making right now. If possible, break the issue into multiple smaller pieces that you can attack, but don't let the collective expand because the tendency will be oh my goodness if we do it like this and we solve this oh we can do this and this and this also recognize 
that periodically we have to stop, release, and then move on. Yep. Right? Whether you're doing software or you're doing hardware or you're building, you know, whatever it is, you can't just keep working until you have it perfected or you'll never release anything. You'll never deliver anything. You'll never make a difference. So I think, I think that's a key part of the culture. I would say a leader, you know, a leader needs to, to kind of manage and, and deal with that. But at the same time, if you can instill in the organization that, you know, we, we used to say um, years ago, you have to stop and bottle the wine. Right. You got to stop. It's OK. This is the best we can do. Bottle it and, you know, let it go into the process. And now we'll start on the next one, whatever the next one is. There's that balance between uh, just slapping a Band-Aid on something and then letting it go on forever. Right. So you've got to bottle that wine. You also don't want to bottle that wine prematurely. So how do you encourage this group to not just pursue the quick fix, but also not to, like Curtis said, boil the ocean or spend too much time, too many resources without achieving enough. Well, that's to Tip's point just a minute ago. You know, it's this concept of they sort of solve a problem and they allow the scope to be, they allow creep to come into the scope. And it ultimately just gets into the, everybody goes down into different rat holes and into the weeds and so on and so forth. So I think if you control that, and so if you're regularly redefining the mission as to point number three, I think that's how you do it. I have a very tactical, very tactical answer to your question, Chuck. And that is write it down, okay? You know, go into WebEx Teams, write it down, put it on the virtual bulletin board, and then as we work on this, keep that in mind, right? Our mission is to solve this, to solve it well, because we're all quality men and women, but we want to solve this and nothing else. It's, this is the mission. When you talk to, uh, you know, when we had General Renforth come and talk to us from the, from the Marines, he spoke about missions and the focus and, and really just, you know, saying to the Marine or the group of Marines, don't worry about anything else, just worry about this. There are others who will take care of whatever the surrounding ideas are, or the surrounding issues are. You stay focused on this. And if you break it down like that, then I can give full mental power to that and solve it probably quicker and better to your point about quality. So focus. Yeah. I mean, that's for a person that's dabbled in enterprise sales, you know, it's, it's the same mantra that's very popular today. And that's selling the problem you're solving, not the solution. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's number three. Number four, allow them to experiment and fail fast. We, we touched on fail fast a couple of times before, but I, I, I was having this conversation with some, uh, some of my kids the other night. Listen, if you're not failing, you're not trying new, new stuff enough. You're playing it safe, right? You're playing it safe. You're staying within the old school, the old boundaries. Kevin Cruz routinely says if, if you're not failing, you're not learning. So learn. Learn and move forward. And be willing, be willing to, to let it go. That's a challenge. Once you start on a project, you both know this, uh, and you realize, oh, it's going to be significantly different than we originally thought, that, well, you know what? This isn't the way we want to go. Just cut bait and move on is a very difficult thing to do because oh, I'm just around the corner. Yeah. The, the article says, teams that are scared to fail tend to move more slowly, and their products are often too late to make a difference. Uh, and it goes on to say, consider the failure a lesson learned that helps everyone approach challenges a little differently going forward. Yeah, I mean, there's a, one of the 
best best examples of this I can think of was the the life and death of Kodak. You know, I mean that that predates me by a, a ways, or at least in some way, shape, or form. They didn't see the digital transformation of digital camera and digital photography getting the legs that it was going to. You know, so you have a humongous company that had pretty much an, a monopoly of that industry, saw a trend, but thought it was just a you know pixie dust. You know that nobody would run away with it, and now you see Kodak as once a you know a Rochester, New York empire, to being nothing. Pretty much now, and I believe Kodak was developing all that digital technology. But they were way too late. That's but the they problem. were. What would also happen, from what I understand, is that the management was kind of keeping it behind closed doors. Hey, don't let this get out. It's it's going to cannibalize our business. And so, had they had the foresight, perhaps, to say, "Hey, this may cannibalize our sale of uh, film rolls of film, but we can be ready for the future. We can get into that digital age." And we can be uh, maybe a leader even. It's really funny. So my family got together for a family reunion a couple of weeks ago. And my parents uh, had just recently returned from this pretty incredible trip all through the Baltics and up through Scandinavia and everything like that. And he wanted to, you know, show people, kind of almost like show off, you know, his cool trip, right? And, you know, I grew up in the day where he would get those ginormous slide trays and click, you know, on the projector. And we all dreaded that, like the worst night of our lives of having to relive <laughs> being in the car for, you know, days on end. But I literally showed him with two tools. He was able to take his camera or his, his phone because he took all these pictures with his, with his iPhone, how it automatically was able to get onto his iPad, how he was able to use his iPad to then wirelessly connect to an Apple TV, which was then connected to a big screen TV. So without doing anything, he was able to pull out just his iPad and just go through a couple pictures you know, that slideshow. Yeah. yeah. So I turned a 75 year old man into somewhat of a digital achiever. Well, certainly a digital presenter anyway. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and by the way, to Curtis's dad, who I'm sure is one of our pod listen, podcast listeners, we love your pictures, whatever Curtis says. <laughs> um, you know, so Chuck, this, this whole discussion about these companies that do these services and, I, and things, I think kind of comes around to point number five. Yeah. Number five is equip them with technology and tools that accelerate their work. It's those tools that allow work to be accelerated so that when you're, I, I get a lot of good ideas when I'm laying in bed and can't sleep at night, right? So I may sit there and, and rather, than, r- rather than run the risk of forgetting that idea in the morning, I can pull up my phone, take a, uh, go into Evernote, take a note, and then not forget that stuff. Do you realize that through the course of this podcast, I've been kind of mentally making note, the number of things we have spoken of that are digital tools now yeah the different platforms chat books you know all the ones we listed at the front end of this by the way i mentioned workday and i think i said it twice we are we are big workday shop but we're also now going to become a work front user let me so let me let me ask a a question um that i think leaders certainly are going to be asking themselves so i've i've identified a problem in this case the leader has identified the problem. It hasn't come up from the grassroots. I gather together my room full of digital achievers. I don't care if it's three or 33. We sit down. I, I identify the problem. They get excited, and they start coming up with ideas. Now, I gathered these men and women from existing jobs, right? They weren't sitting on a shelf waiting to be tapped for digital brainstorming. They have regular jobs. They come into a room like that. It's fun. It's exciting. It's new. But at some point, they've got to go back and do the job that they were doing. Any thoughts on how you would handle that 
either as a you know digital achiever, member of that team, or possibly even as a leader? You know, I was thinking about the same exact thing. And, and at what point do you say, hey, we need some of these people to go full time as achievers? At what point do you say we at least need a manager to manage this team? At what point do you say, hey, we might want 33 people to form a new team that does not exist right now, and let's go for it. My question was, and it may connect with yours, how willing would an organization be, and how willing would the individual managers of these people be to allow this to happen? And as a manager, Mike, what would you do if somebody came to you and said, hey, one of your star players really needs to be over here. It's for this purpose of digital transformation. How do you react to that? It's very difficult. I, I don't want to make it sound like it's easy because, you know, leaders are managed, excuse me, leaders are measured by the accomplishments and the things of their team. And if someone comes along and says, hey, we're going to take a couple of your people, superstars or otherwise, and utilize them over here to, to this project that we believe is more important for the company, you're still going to feel like, uh, you know, I've got some things to accomplish. So now, the, uh, the smart alchemy is, by all means, but I'll need two headcount to replace <laughs> them, right? And that's not going to happen. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a challenge. But my answer to your original question is simply this. You have to take a company view and be prepared to see the bigger picture. One of the, An example that comes to my mind is RBS, re- Retail Business Services. They have an office in the Stop and Shop headquarters in Boston that's comprised of 35 people that do nothing but focus on innovations for all of the Ajo Del Hayes brand. 35 people that came from a number of different disciplines, not even all American. There's some from different parts of the country and different parts of the world. And one of their biggest innovations of, of, of late was the innovation of Peapod. I don't know if you, you guys are familiar with what Peapod is, but it's, they were one of, the, one of the pioneers when it came to um, almost like click list grocery ordering. And that was one of their big innovations that they, they brought. And that was, they were the first offering of that type in New England. So they have a dedicated team that solely focuses on innovation. They have an entire floor of the building in, in Quincy, Massachusetts. That's just 35 people, and it's an environment unlike any other place in the building because I've been through that office. Every floor is just made up of cubicles, right? But this one that has beanbags, ping-pong tables, and it's just these, these digital achievers, if you will, that are taking what they've seen around different brands and are bringing it together to solve problems that are presented to them. No, that's, that's fantastic. Now, Short of that, you might have to start with something much smaller, like say we're going to designate one person to be a full-time leader of this initiative, and then this person can hold lunches every Thursday and invite people to come and and, and participate. We'll talk to the managers and say, hey, we're going to need a little bit of their efforts, a little bit of their resources and their time to, to focus on this, but ultimately they're still yours. And maybe with time, you can establish that kind of innovation, that achievers group of full-timers, right? Well, so Chuck, if we take a look at this article, uh, this has obviously stirred some pretty, pretty interesting dis- discussions. Um, what, do you think, what do you think the summary is? Put yourself in the chair of a leader, small group, big group, whatever, and you're listening to this discussion. What do you think the takeaway is? I think the one thing that I took away from it was that Regardless of where you work in the organization, you can be the one who gets that ball rolling. The article says every organization, even those early in digital transformation, has some fertile ground for digital achievement and innovation. The key is to find it and empower it. 
Well, I'll, I'll summarize it like this, and I'll, I'll kind of take a little bit of what you both said, but very directly, every person in the organization, I don't care where, where you fit, I don't care what role you're in, you have a responsibility to look around and find places that the company can improve. If you happen to be on the front lines dealing with customers on a routine basis, you may have more fertile ground, you may have more opportunities. If you are in senior leadership, you may constantly be looking for ways to improve, but everybody in the organization has a duty to be looking around. Culturally, the organization has to tell these people it's okay to raise your hand and make suggestions. We will not punish you for coming up with ideas. We may not take every idea that you come along with, but we will not punish you for coming up with ideas because that's how innovation starts. So with that, I'll thank our audience for joining us yet again in our discussions around digital transformation. I also want to say a special thank you to Casey Foss and Kyle Hutchins, who were the authors of this Forbes article. It was written and published on August 24th, 2018, and again, it was called Five Ways to Accelerate Digital Transformation by Tapping Digital Achievers. Until the next time, have a great day and go find ways to innovate. Thank you. Thank you.